Chapter 19 of Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Lucy Burgoyne. Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes, or The Quest of a Summer Vacation by Stella M. Francis. Chapter 19. Watched. After luncheon, the girls, with two sharp hatchets among them, began a search through the timber for some long, slim saplings. After a half-hour's search, they were in possession of three straight cottonwood poles, ten or twelve feet long, and with these in their possession, they began an examination of the water depth along the shore for a safe and suitable bathing place. They might have used their fishing rods for this purpose, but these were not serviceable, as they were of extremely light material, and, moreover, were hardly long enough for this purpose. The saplings proved to be excellent feelers, and the work progressed rapidly from the start. About two hundred yards north of their camp was a sandy beach, which extended along the shore a considerable distance. It was here that the girls made their first underwater exploration. They tied a rough stone near one end of each of the poles to increase its specific gravity, and then proceeded to feel for depth along the water's edge. Careful examination with these poles failed to disclose a sudden drop from the gradual downward slope of the beach into the water, so that there appeared to be no treacherous places near the shore. Satisfied in this respect, they now arranged for a further test. Azalia Atwood, who was an excellent swimmer, returned to the camp, donned a bathing suit, and then rejoined the other girls, bringing with her a long rope of the clothesline variety. One end of this was looped around her waist, and Marion Stanlock had an opportunity to exhibit her skill at tying a bowline. While two of the girls held the rope and played it out, Azalia advanced into the water, stepping ahead carefully in order to avoid a surprise of any sort resulting from some hidden danger under the surface of the lake. To some, all this caution might seem foolish, inasmuch as Azalea swam well, but one rule of Flamingo Campfire prohibited even the best swimmers from venturing into water more than armpit deep unless they were at a beach provided with expert life-saving facilities. The purpose of Azalea's exploration was to wade over as large an area of lake bottom as possible, and establish a certainty that it was free from deep step-offs, bottomless pockets, and treacherous undertow. Soon it became evident that she had a bigger undertaking before her than she had reckoned on, for the bed of the lake sloped very gradually at this point and Catherine Crane and Estelle Adler volunteered to assist her. All right, said Azalea, welcoming the suggestion, 
Go and put on your bathing suits and bring a few more hanks of rope. Better bring all there is there, for we probably can use it. Catherine and Estelle hastened back to camp and in a short time returned, clad in their bathing suits and carrying several hundred feet of rope. In a few minutes they too were in the water and taking part in the exploration, protected against treacherous conditions as Azalea was protected. In half an hour they had explored and pronounced safe as large a bathing place as their supply of rope would fence in, and then began the fencing process. They cut several stout stakes six feet long and took them to the water's edge. Then the three girls in bathing suits assumed their new duty as water pile drivers. They took one of the stakes at a time to a point along the proposed boundary line of the bathing place, also a heavy mullet that had been brought along for this purpose. A wooden mullet, by the way, was much more serviceable than a hatchet for such work, inasmuch as, if dropped, it would not sink, and moreover, it could be wielded with much less danger of injury to any of those working together in the water. The first stake was taken to the northwest corner of the proposed enclosure. Catherine, who carried the mullet, gave it to Estelle, and then climbed to a sitting posture on the latter's shoulders. Then Azalea stood the stake on its sharpened end, and Catherine took hold of it with one hand, and began to drive down on the upper end, with the mullet, which Estelle handed back to her. It was hard work for several reasons, hard for Estelle to maintain a steady and firm posture under the moving weight, hard for Catherine to wield the mallet with unerring strokes, hard to force the sharpened point into the well-packed bed of the lake. Catherine's right arm became very tired before she had driven the stake deep enough to ensure a reasonable degree of firmness. While this task was being performed, the girls were still protected against the danger of being swept into the deeper water by the ropes looped around their waists and held at the other ends by some of the girls on the sandy beach. After this stake had been set firmly into the river bed, the girls returned to the shore and got another. This they took to another position about the same distance from the beach as the first one and drove it in to the hardened loam under the water. The same process was continued until six such stakes had been driven. Then they took up the work of extending rope from stake to stake and completing the enclosure. The sags were supported by boys of light wood tied to the rope, the two extreme ends of which were attached to stakes driven into the shore close to the water. There, that is what I call a pretty good job, declared Miss Ladd, gazing with proud satisfaction upon the result of more than three hours' steady work. Whenever you girls come out here to go bathing, you will be well warranted in assuming that you have earned your plunge. 
All the girls by this time had their bathing suits on, but most of them were too tired to remain in the water any longer. So, by common consent, all adjourned to the camp to rest until supper time. Well, it appears that our activities have not yet aroused any special interest in the Graham household, Hazel Edwards observed, as they began their march back toward the sheltered group of tents. I'm not so certain of that, Miss Ladd replied. Why not? Catherine inquired, while several of the girls were near looking curiously at the guardian because I believe I have seen evidences of interest. You have, exclaimed two or three unguardedly. Now, girls, you are forgetting yourselves, said Miss Ladd warningly. Remember that the first requisite of skill in your work here is caution. The reason I didn't say anything to you about what I saw is that I was afraid some of you might betray your interests in the fact that we were being watched. I saw two girls half hidden in a clump of bushes up near the top of the hill. I am sure they were watching us. They were there at least half an hour. End of chapter 19